0: Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2017. I can barely believe it, Um, but alas, here we are, 2017. I wish you a Happy New Year, and I'm sure, I don't know if you're feeling similar to me in this new year, but there are some maybe mixed feelings out there about this new year, But let me say this, in practicing gratitude, I have to thank you all for listening to this podcast. I have been, I've been looking at the statistics for this, both episodes, over 300 people per episode have watched, have listened to this, this podcast, and that's just on my website. I don't know what's happening on iTunes. I can't really tell. So thank you. My gosh, I am so grateful. Without you guys, I'm not, I don't have a podcast. And I am super grateful to you all for coming to this table with me. I really appreciate it. By the way, speaking of website, just a little bit of business housekeeping stuff, which I don't really like, but let's put it out there really quick. Uh, my website, in case you're listening to this on iTunes, the website for this podcast, the official website, is lifeinthewirlwind.com, and I would love for you to visit. It's not just this podcast. I also blog there, and there are some resources and contact information. Um, I also do speaking at retreats and conferences and things like that. But if you'd like to reach out, I would love to hear from you. And you can comment on each episode. There are pictures for each episode. Sometimes there's artwork um, for for these episodes. And I would love for you to check that out. So lifeinthewirlwind.com. And again, if you want to email me about any of these episodes or just to share what it's been like for you to listen to these, I would adore getting your emails. I would just love that. So my email address where you can reach me is lifeinthewirlwind at gmail.com. Life in the Whirlwind. No spaces, no underscores, no anything. Just all one thing, lowercase. I hope to hear from you. That would be great. Speaking of hearing from things, from people, uh, I want to shout out to my friend Bonnie, whose birthday it is today, January 2nd. Happy uh, Happy birthday, Bonnie. <laughs> She's one of my biggest fans, and she's a supporter of this podcast. She helped make it, get me to the place where I can make it happen. Okay, so there's a little uh, shout-out there, but um, I do want to come back to saying that it's very difficult to effectively express how much creating this podcast and really the overall project of Life in the Whirlwind means to me there's... I don't think there's yet an adjective in the English language that could describe what this has meant to me. And this is only the third episode. So, you know, there's a ton of time and space behind this where I waited and I, I feared and I did not do this, even though I wanted to. And I didn't even know what it would be. And I was just afraid. And I didn't do it for a really long time. And I had so many people, nobody shamed me, nobody blamed me, nobody accused me, and I had a ton of support of just, you know, take this step. And yeah, it's a lot of unknown, but I but take this step. And I just want to say it's been one of the greatest flying leaps into the unknown that I've ever dared to take. And I'm extremely grateful to those people, you know who you are, who really challenged me to do this. And loved me every day while I didn't do it in the, in the waiting period. So that's really a good segue into what this podcast episode, episode three, today's episode three, um, what this is about today's episode three. And it's called, this episode is called the practice of moving through. There's a classic, I don't know if it's classic to everyone, but it's classic to many counselors, um, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but the way out is through. So how many times have you found yourself saying or you've heard some other person say, I just have to get past this. So maybe it's a struggle or something really hard is happening and you just want to get past it. And maybe you tell yourself something like, if I just get past this, then I'll be okay. Or then I will be happy, or then I'll be where I'm supposed to be. Whatever that whatever that however that sentence ends for you. Well let me ask this, how how exactly might that occur? How do you get past something to be okay or to be where you're supposed to be, really? So even if there's, you know, in the first episode, I talked about a pause button on life. What, you know, maybe there's, we wish there were imaginary fast forward buttons, but even if there was a fast forward button, then what, what exactly would we be fast forwarding over? Um, so think about that. Sorry, I'm going to end a lot of sentences and prepositions for those of you out there who don't like that. I apologize. It's going to happen a lot today. So, we all know the question and we flirt with it, but here it is. Here's the question If something hard is happening that is causing you distress, what is actually occurring at that moment? If something hard is happening that is causing you distress, what's actually happening? What's happening while you're feeling the distress of a situation that's troubling you? What's actually happening at that moment? What's occurring? Or maybe better or more challenging still is this question, where and when did we first begin to believe that hard things equals bad things? When did we start believing that hard things were worth escaping or that we would be better off if we didn't have those things in our lives? When and where did we establish these labels, good and bad? I wonder. This is something I am personally on a journey. I don't know how long this journey is. I have no idea. It's a mystery. But I seem to be in a season where uh, I'm I'm questioning where I picked up all these lenses that I look at life through, and I'm on a mini quest, I guess. Maybe it's a not a mini quest. Maybe it's a larger quest. But um, l- let me pose this hypothesis to you and see what you think. So, you know, the power of suggestion, we've all heard of this, but there's this sort of idea that if someone hands us an explanation or a label or a lens for something, then it really impacts the way we see everything. So sometimes so much so that we We let all or most of the future, our future experiences prove that explanation. So for instance, if I were, so I live near a very large in-city park called Fairmount Park. And I live near a section of it called the Wissahickon. And if I, um, this is in Philadelphia, by the way, great hiking trails in Philadelphia, beautiful city, beautiful hiking trails. You never guess you were in the city. Um, hiking in the Wissahickon is one of my favorite things to do, and there are so many trails to take. This one of the things I love about it is, you know, maybe you've climbed a mountain before, or you've taken sort of an easier hike than a mountain. See, I, there you go. I use the label easier. What's that mean? Anyway, um, gotta be in the moment here. We're all doing the, we're doing the here and now in this podcast. But, um, if you've ever hiked and there's multiple hiking trail options, How do you decide which one, have you ever found yourself like doing a certain trail because you tell yourself it's the right trail or the wrong trail? Or what if somebody says to you, like, that's the wrong trail, but really every trail starts in one place and then ends on the other side of the park or back where you started or whatever. So is there really a right or a wrong trail? Uh, But here, coming back to this idea of, you know, power of suggestion impacting even future experiences. So if I tell myself on the beginning of a hike that there's a right trail and a wrong trail, it's going to impact my entire hiking experience. I might, if I'm not living in the moment that I'm in as I hike, I'm going to label this trail, like the whole hike, I'm going to be hiking on this trail thinking i'm on the right trail and everybody else is on the wrong trail or i'm going to be saying i'm on the wrong trail i shouldn't have chosen this and i'm going to be miserable so this is just an example of how our labels color our realities and we add interpretation to data all the time all the time I'm a counselor, and this is one of the things I've had to do the hard work of myself, So, because I can't expect people to go places that I haven't been willing to go myself um, in my own life. But I can't believe how much data I interpret, and I tell myself that's fact. I mean, like I said, easy, hard. We use these adjectives all the time, these labels, good, bad, right, wrong, um, better best worse worse whatever um we use these labels all the time so i really this episode i want i want this to be well we'll go don't don't jump to the chase heather wait for the invitation the invitation will come at the end i'll let you know what the invitation is but i really want us to be thinking today about what our labels are in our lives what are the ones that we're using and how attentive can we be to them how much attention can we pay to them Uh, in order to live more presently and with our eyes more open. So if for a minute, pretend this is possible, if you ignored the labels that you apply to your life, to the data or the experiences of your life, what kinds of things are just descriptively happening in your life right now? And when I say descriptive, I literally like, this is maybe not the best thing, but like, How would Spock explain this, right? Spock is like um, known for his non-emotiveness, his non-emotional state. Um, He's very, you know, logical and realistic and descriptive. So when you think about descriptive, like how do you just descriptively explain what's happening in your life right now, today, this hour, this month, whatever. How do you descriptively explain what's happening in your life the way Spock would explain it? (laughs) I love that image. So the next thing after imagining that, what are the labels you're assigning to the things that Spock is describing? So say right now, okay, I'm in a room in my house it's my special little room that I am converting currently, actually. I've spent the last two days, here's a little sidebar, i spent the last three days actually um, giving this gift to myself <laughs> of clearing out this small room in our house to unclutter it and get rid of things, give a bunch of stuff to refugees in the area, just get rid of things and unclutter this room and make it a very spacious room to do podcasts, to write, to be still, to read, whatever it is that I want to do. So we're revamping this room. I'm sitting in this room. It's emptier than usual. There's a bigger echo than I'm used to. Um I am surrounded by piles of things. Oh, it's a grim well, see, there you go. There you go. So there are piles of books everywhere. The label I'm assigning is, wow, this is a grim state of this room. Like I, this is messy and ugh, it's awful. Like it's just bothering me. Um, the fact is it's bothering me. That's the data that Spock would say, hey, this room is not in the state that you want it to be in ultimately, but my mind interprets that data as this is messy. It's not okay. I'm, it's bad, whatever. I'm labeling these things. So think of your own life. What's actually happening in your life? Maybe not right now while you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to a podcast, but like today, what's happening in your life? And then what are the labels that you are assigning to those things? And how are they impacting or coloring the way that you're entering into those things and experiencing them. So how might Spock's description of naming things, like how might his way of naming things or this descriptive way of naming things change your experiences? What would be different in your life if instead of labeling things and interpreting things, you just describe them? I'm driving my car. That person pulled over in my lane without signaling. I feel frustrated. Those are facts. That guy's a jerk. He doesn't know how to drive. Interpretation, right? We all do this. (laughs) I did it yesterday. Confession time. So I once heard this. I think, I can't remember if this was Brene Brown. I tried to look it up but I can't I couldn't find it um Brene Brown wonderful person author speaker researcher comedian (laughs) on the side coincidentally um she is amazing and I think she said this I think she said something like this show up to your life long before you feel ready to show up to your life long before you feel ready to. What this is really, I think this is speaking to the labels that we slap on life. So I'm not ready for this podcast is something that I told myself pretty much all last year. I got this idea. I wanted to do it. It's this project I care about. I've been turning it around in my head for all this time maybe longer than a year probably it's probably been giving birth for a while but um but I said to myself I'm not ready to show up for this I'm not ready to do this and everybody kept telling me just do it and it'll come the way it comes and whatever comes out it'll change and it'll develop and it will be in process you love process, Heather, so do this podcast. So anyway, all these really honest, beautiful voices in my life, but I was stuck in the label of I'm not ready to show up. So showing up for your life before you feel ready. Why is this showing up or this entering in or this not avoiding things so challenging? Does it put you at risk? Heck yes. I can tell you right now, like every time I go to do this podcast, I'm putting myself at risk to some degree. I'm putting my voice out there in a way that exposes me to people. 300 people, over 300 people have listened to this podcast. I have no idea who you are. Some of you, like I probably know 25 to 30 people who are listening to this, 10 people or so. Have responded directly to me, like sent me a text, like text messages. I've gotten a lot of encouragement, Um, but it's just amazing to me that I there are people who are listening to this. I don't know at all, so I'm putting myself out here into the world, and I have no idea who's listening. So, does this put you at risk? Showing up, entering in, not avoiding. Absolutely. Is it painful and challenging? Absolutely. Expect it. If you expect taking risks to be painful and challenging, you will not be surprised when it is. If you expect that to happen going into things, it will it will probably make it things go a little smoother, perhaps. See, I'm trying to, like, I'm even trying to say a sentence here without labeling. It's really hard. But you get what I'm saying, I hope. But struggle with this. Like, we tell ourselves that certain things don't belong. And risk is one of those. And pain is one of those. And challenge, you know, um, there's... What the word "challenge" means and pain means for me is different than what it means for you. What causes me pain and challenge is different than what causes you pain and challenge, I would guess, in the nuances at least. But what do we tell ourselves doesn't belong in our lives? I'm going to give you one example of of a risk that we take all the time, and sometimes for some of us, it never really gets easier. Because we've been hurt or it's we've been disappointed or trust has been broken or we whatever that whatever that looks like. But um it's love. Love is really the riskiest thing I think that we do. I I could be wrong. I'm willing to hear other options, but I think love is the riskiest thing that we do in our lives. And there's this great, you know, the guy C. S. Lewis, I'm sure you've all heard of him. Uh, he wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. And he's a very famous writer. And uh, he wrote this book called The Four Loves. And this is one of my favorite quotes from that book that I've been chewing on this past six months or so. Here it is. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable, to love is to be vulnerable. Wow. That, that is very challenging to me. It's powerful. It is, I think, truthful. Um, to me, these are the words that describe this. We have the option of opting in or opting out of risky things like love or growth or relationship or process. But here's the thing is that when we label something as risky and risky equals bad, nothing really comes of that experience except for an increase of fear. And fear and love do not exist in the same space. One is always pushing out the other. So how many people avoid risk or avoid things that are challenging and we end up hearing the story. I I cannot think of an example of this. Like when when was the last time you heard someone tell a story of here's where I didn't take a risk and I grew like crazy. I just became this like amazing version of myself. I did not take this this challenging um difficult road, <laughs> you know. And I and I'm so glad I didn't do it. I can't remember the last time I heard somebody tell a story like that. Usually there is no story and usually no growth happens. And usually there's no story because the story's over before it even begins. That's like not even a real thing, but you know what I mean? Paradoxical. But but you get my point is that our labels can easily become unnecessary roadblocks for growth. So our labeling something as bad just because it's risky or challenging it blocks growth. And again, I want to stress this, that we do have the option. You have the option of opting in or opting out. And it is your option. One goes one way and the other goes a different way, inevitably. So what if when we approach risky situations for ourselves, even love, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a hard relationship, for you. What if we tried to put on just trying on a different label, like we try on a shirt or something we're contemplating buying. Um what if we try on a different label? Have you ever seen this sign? There's this sign that I've seen in like I don't know like country store. I don't know how to explain like You know, you go to these country restaurants, we go to the one, this one in Vermont or upstate New York every summer on our way back from camping, but it says, it is what it is. This sign, you know, you see these little wooden signs and it says, it is what it is. And if you think, if you look at it, it's kind of like, that's ridiculous. Like what, (laughs) what does that even mean? I have a friend who thinks that's the most annoying sentence in the world, but, um, but think about that statement. Actually, it is what it is. That's a very... Spock-like sentence. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the counseling world, we call these radical acceptance statements. It's l- actual, literal statements of fact, and no interpretation is added. So it is what it is, is data where um, risk is bad is interpretation, or this is risky is interpretation, right? That's a label. Here's some other radical acceptance statements to try on, perhaps. Apparently, pain is part of this experience. Here's another one. I couldn't have known before what I know now. That's true. Here's another one, final one. This experience is bringing fear to the surface in me, and it makes me want to run do you hear those? Those are all factual statements. Those are, those are descriptive statements. They don't add data that is, interp- they don't add interpretation to the data. So apparently pain is part of this experience isn't saying this is painful or um, it's bad. You know, it's painful, therefore it's bad. Or it's painful and I must be doing something wrong. That's a lot we do that a lot, right? Like, that's a sentence that I, I found myself saying quite a bit. This is painful. There it must, therefore, I must be doing something wrong. What did I do wrong here? So, notice these statements don't add these labels or these qualifying statements. Um, they don't assign value, they just describe. So, this is one of you're going to hear me talk about yoga a lot. Uh, I'm becoming certified as a teacher. Um, I've been doing, I've been practicing yoga for quite a while now, 10 years, and I have found it. Well, that's a whole other episode, maybe more than one episode, but all that to say, I'll probably be talking about yoga. Some, some, uh, in these podcasts episodes, but, um, my teacher, one of my teachers that I value a lot, often says, we'll do a position, we'll hold a pose for a certain period of time, and then you totally relax. You just rest and lay your body flat. And he'll say, feel what you feel. Just simply notice without judgment, without assigning a label to what you're feeling, just feel what you feel. Feel the resonance of that position in your body now that you're not doing it anymore. What would that be like if we just felt what we felt? It is what it is. No assigning value. So here's my, this brings me to my punchline question, as it were. What if the only label we ever assigned to whatever experience in which we find ourselves was life? You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? Because this is life in the whirlwind, right? What if the only label we ever assigned to whatever we're, we're in, in the midst of, it was just life. Apparently this belongs. Apparently this fits. Apparently this is life. And I don't mean this in this trite, simplistic, or minimizing way at all. Please know that. Really, it's I want you to consider this. What has been the primary force that has made you who you are today? What is the primary force that has made you who you are today? Is there something that you're experiencing or you recently experienced or you're about to, you think you're about to experience or whatever it is that you tell yourself does not belong and you want to run from it as fast as you can? You want to push the fast forward button. You want to get over that mountain. You want to get done. You want to be done with this. It's hard and you feel like it's wrong or bad because it's hard maybe, but that's what this is about. This episode, it's this invitation to go through instead of past or around. So here's my invitation today. Take a seat to your life. Take a seat and look and listen to all the things that arise in you, in your life, what you notice, observe it, be a spectator to your life, show up before you feel ready, show up when it's hard and risky, and when you notice that value labels are rising up, just notice them. You can feel afraid, you can feel angry, you can feel excited, joyful, anticipation, whatever it is. But whenever you notice judgment labels appearing like hard, good, bad, I invite you to replace them with a question. And here's the question. In what way is this thing that I'm experiencing my teacher? How is it teaching me? How is it informing me? What is it informing me of? So instead of assigning all this value and interpreting things a certain way or saying it's bad or good, just say, what is this thing doing and how can it be my teacher? Be still, friends. Don't run from your life. It's the only life that you have. And show up and see what new thing could possibly be in store for you. It is risky. It is a little scary, I'll tell you. It's challenging. Sure, you bet. But um, that is my invitation to you. And again, like I said, I would never invite you to this if I weren't willing to do my own work in this area. And from what I've done so far, and I've been doing this kind of work for about six years or so now, I, I wouldn't ask you to do it if I didn't know from my own experience that it was worth it and that it was, it was good work. There I go. <laughs> I'm assigning a label. I apologize. It's work. It's worth doing. It's good work. I'm going to leave you with a blessing, which is, if um, in one of my favorite books, has been very meaningful in my own journey in the whirlwind. But this woman, um, Teresa of Avila, she's long gone now, sadly, but uh, at least from this earth, but she wrote a book called The Interior Castle. Very good. I'll probably do an episode on that sometime because that's just worth its own time. But Here's the, in the introduction, this woman, the translator of this book, this particular translator, her name is Mirabai Starr, and she writes in the introduction, this is the blessing I'm going to give you today. Be brave and walk through the country of your own wild heart. Be gentle and know that you do not know everything. Be mindful and remember that every moment can be a prayer. Melting butter, scrambling eggs. Lifting fork to mouth, praising God. Typing your daughter's first short story, praising God. Losing your temper and your dignity with someone you love, praising God. Balancing ecstasy with clear thinking, self-control, and self-abandon. Be still, listen, and keep walking. So wherever you are, Show up. We want to see you. Take courage. Feel what you feel. Know that you start again each day and that this life in the whirlwind is for the living. And I invite you in. And I hope you show up. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to give a special gift to you today for this new year, um, that is whenever I thought about this podcast episode, I, this song came into my mind. This is a person that I value so much. He has been such a part of my journey. His music is deep to me and so meaningful and really poetic and raw, vulnerable music. Uh, his name's Fernando Ortega and this song is called storm So I hope you enjoy it, and Happy New Year, my friends. Take good care.
1: Sometimes it takes a storm to really know the light The scent of rain, the weight of clouds Pulling down the sky Sometimes it takes a storm To know how you feel To understand indigo And the varnished sun Lighting up the fields It takes the rain between the lines to know what sorrow finds, the way a cloud divides sometimes, the clearing and the blue. I love you. I was just passing through. Taken by surprise Between the black sky